0: You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hello and welcome to the latest Euros edition of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. It's part one of a commentator special as we are joined by ITV commentator Sam Matterface. Sam speaks for his delight at being named ITV's number one commentator for the delayed Euro 2020 finals, which means he will be covering all of England's matches in the tournament, as well as the final itself. Sam talks about that honour and also about England's chances of progression this, this summer and does he believe that England can go all the way and win their first international trophy since 1966? We also speak a lot about this upcoming Scotland versus England game on the 18th of June, which ITV are showing live to the nation. Sit back and enjoy part one of the commentator's edition of the Scottish Football Forums Podcast Euro Special. In part one, we have the voice of ITV for this summer's finals, uh, Sam Matterface. Sam, welcome along. How are you?
1: Hello. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we can't all be um, talking about Scotland all the time up here. We've got to give you guys a say. Um, so it's um, it's good to get the voice of ITV. So first of all, um, getting promoted to number one commentator, just um, tell us about your journey that led you to that
1: um well to be honest with you i've been working at itv now for i think this is the 11th year that i've been working there so i suppose yeah i've done 10 years there uh this summer uh so it'll be the 11th year this the, the next season that i've been working there and, and i so i suppose it was a bit of a surprise really i think the sort of pandemic and the things that uh, changed with the european championships and the fact they'd gone on for an extra year and certain different contracts etc etc i suppose That was the reason for the change. But um, I think ultimately, for me, just being able to work in football is a major thing. So the idea of covering England on a regular basis is a huge privilege. I mean, that is a a major responsibility. It's a major honour. It's a major... It's, it's a major achievement in one sense in that you've got the opportunity to be able to do it, but I don't think you can ever look at it like that. You've, you've almost got to look at it as if you're taking care of it uh, for, for everybody else, and then hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll get, keep getting asked back. It's, it's one of those, really. I don't think you ever sort of set out at the beginning of your career and say, I want this job, but you know very quickly when you're sort of part of the industry and part of this particular discipline – that is the job that you want, isn't it? Being able to call England in a major tournament for me. I mean, obviously for you, it'd be slightly different, I think, but yeah. Uh, but, but that is, yeah, that, that's been a dream. So the, the opportunity to do it has sort of come about and I'm delighted for that. Um, I've been commentating for well many, many years now. I think I've been commentating for 20 to nearly 30 years, really. Um, so you know, that's a, uh, It's a long time to be doing it. I started when I was about 12 or 13 years of age. So it's been a long time uh, practicing, getting ready. And hopefully uh, I'm I'm just about ready now to, to be able to handle a major tournament with England. But, you know, I've done quite a few major tournaments. The great thing about doing it with ITV as well, you know, is that I get to do so much else apart from England. I don't just get to, you know, I think sometimes you can just sort of spend your whole time just covering one team and that's it. Uh, in these tournaments and I think it's nice to be able to get out and see other bits and pieces as well so the first game I do will, I mean fingers crossed depending on what happens with the Covid situation is, is Russia against Belgium I mean you know a great team maybe the best team in the world at the moment Belgium and uh, and and going to Russia is always a unique experience
0: Yeah that's that's two sides it's um, Scotland had uh, um, difficulty with in qualifying both of them beat Scotland yeah. pretty convincingly so um, yeah that will be a good game to watch I think it Belgium um, probably win that um, on paper, but t- you obviously mentioned them, um, you know, getting the England games. What's your approach to um, covering an England game as opposed to like, a game you just mentioned there, and even like, a club side in European football?
1: Well, I think I approach pretty much my, all of the games in a, in a similar vein. Really, I spend a lot of time researching. I started today. Or we're recording this a uh, bit of time out, but the Carabao Cup final is this weekend. Mm-hmm. I started putting together my bits and pieces for that earlier in the week I today started putting pen and paper and converting it into something that is readable and I will spend my my next two days getting ready for that game and West Ham against Chelsea which is also this weekend so I put a lot of time in before the matches so that when the match day comes if anything else has sprung up I can devote my time to being sort of quite relaxed around the game and sort of in enjoying the, the build up to it. I'm I'm a bit of a saddo really. Um I don't really do much else. Um I, I I spend a lot of time watching football. I spend a lot of time reading about football. I spend a lot of time writing down little stats and facts and I've got my little book that I carry with me. I've got every gadget I can possibly think of to try and keep digest stuff I change how I approach in terms of how I present my research before um, each game because I feel like it keeps me fresh and it keeps me moving it keeps me interested in the in the process of putting things down you know I went to a game the other night I obviously come up with a dossier for all of the stats and facts that I would need throughout the course of the the 90 minutes I don't think I looked down at my piece of paper once because the game was so great and I think that's the key thing is to be able to Make sure you've got all the information and you've studied as, as much as you can, so that you've got as much in your head as possible. But you don't have to use it all. You only need to use the bits that are relevant. And I think you know we're all learning. I'm still learning. I will constantly be learning. I'm sure for the foreseeable, but um, for the rest of my life. But um, you know, the, the good thing is is that you, you you sort of you have to editorialize. You have to make sure that the bits of the information that you use are relevant to what's going on. Rather yeah, than just I, telling, oh, oh, I've researched the fact that Tyrone Mings has uh, started off as a recruitment consultant or something like that and you just want to desperately get it out. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I th- think the day you stop learning is the day you stop commentating, to be fair. So, um, you know, it's obviously yeah. um, something that's, uh, that's, that's definitely important to keep going. And uh, as I say, um, you mentioned things are changing. We're co- um, recording this the 22nd of April Um and, you know, it's been a bit of a chaotic week where obviously we had the ESL proposals and there's no threats from, from UEFA as to how that's going to affect um, the national teams. I mean, from a Scotland point of view, it could have affected three of our players. But from England, you're talking a good eight or nine that could have been affected um, potentially. And hopefully it doesn't come to that.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, that threat would be very difficult to carry out for this I summer, I think there would be a challenge to that somewhere along the line. I mean, I don't know. I mean, By the time this goes out, maybe it's already done dusted. I don't know. But um, I, I think the first thing is I'm delighted the way the week panned out. Um, after Sunday night, feeling a little bit hollow, really. That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was quite intense. But by Tuesday night, I think we've sort of got to the point where we realized it was all going to fall apart. Um, I'm pleased about that. I don't think it was the right thing to do. I don't think anybody does. Um, I just hope that we are not going to now blindly fall away and think that the job is done because it isn't. This is an opportunity to reform some football rather than sort of take our foot off the pedal and, and uh, you know let it go on the back burner, turn our attention to more trivial, tribal matters, and and not take the opportunity to you know, get more kids in the grounds. I mean, you know, one of the things that Florentino Perez said, which resonated with me, was the younger children don't watch football because they can't keep uh, concentrated for 90 minutes. I mean, apart from it being absolute rubbish, the fact is, is that the reason that a lot of young people don't fall in love with the game, like I fell in love with the game, like... Um, my friends fell in love with the game because they don 't get to go to the games you know it 's impossible to get tickets for matches. Mm-hmm. It is impossible for for kids to to be able to 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 walk up those steps at old trafford and and see that sight for the first time that wonder that you get when you walk into a noisy cacophonous ground and the lights are on and the songs are going, and the hot dogs you can smell them from outside and everybody's saying things they shouldn't be saying and it all feels a bit naughty, but it's great, isn't it, you know? And then there's a game going on and all of a sudden you're like, oh, who's he, dad? And it goes from there, you know, whether that's with your mates or whatever. I, I went to a lot of football when I was a kid and I, I was lucky. I had a friend who supported West Ham and his dad would take us to West Ham. My dad supported Chelsea. He would take us there, you know? And then we once started, when we got to 15, 16, we started going on our own. Because you could, because it was seven quid or something like that, or it was a, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that you, it was, it was expensive. I remember my dad the first time he took us; it was, it was hard for him to do so. But you know, it, it was, it was attainable. It was something that we, we could get to, and then there was the access point. You could get the tickets now. You've got to pay. £20 to be a member. You've got to register on websites. You've got to sign over your life's history from Google Chrome or something in order for to be able to just access a site which you might be able to buy tickets on in the future if any come up. And then they're too prohibitively expensive. You know, I was talking about this with uh, my wife earlier on and we were talking about football kits, you know, and how kids would live and breathe their football kits every day. They'd have for three shirts or they'd have, you know, whatever uniform they want. They can buy a woody outfit from Toy Story for £15 in a a supermarket. They can buy a Spider-Man outfit for £8 off Amazon. Why on earth are they going to want to... Why on earth are parents going to spend 50 quid on a Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool shirt? They ain't going to do that if they haven't got the money to do it. It's not going to happen. Make it more accessible. Kids' shirts in the Premier League, you should not make a profit on them. And make a profit oh, on them. What a great marketing tool that would be!
0: Oh, that'd be fantastic um, if um, if that could be done. And the same with England national shots for this tournament and the, uh, you know, Scotland as well. I mean, I think my boy was forty five. It was forty five pounds for my um, for a, an all boys kit, um, and he was uh, four at the time. He's now going to be six, and it's the same kit to get that again, it's an R45 pin and it, that's just not worth the money for me. Um, but he's got the away win off him, he's grand, so he can wear that with pride. <laughs> um, so, leading um, leading into the um, the finals themselves, um, you know, you're obviously aware of the reputation that you guys get from us up here. Um, <laughs> they I mean, think, oh no, the English commentator again, they're going to rub in, England expects, but it's n-
1: Hold on. Uh, do you just remember that the the last time that there was a World Cup qualifying campaign, I w- yeah. I did Scotland for the whole time. So I you know, <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of a I've got a little bit of a flavour of what it what it's like to uh, to, <laughs> to spend some time in Scotland and to know what they think we are going to say. <laughs> uh, we know that we're broadcasting to the whole of the nation, so don't worry. And, and listen, when we do the game, and we have got the game, and I feel very privileged yeah. to. Be able to say that we've got the game, it will be. Um, uh, and, and, and you can't release this until we get to uh the, the end of May, so you'll be able to play this out. But it will be me, it will be Lee Dixon, and it will be Ali McCoy. So there will be balance in the commentary box, as you would expect, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I'm sure the banter will be pretty good. I mean, um, I've obviously listened to you speak with um, uh, Lee Dixon, who for years has been a very good pundit, and Ali there's not many people that don't like Ali apart from maybe one or two better sides of the side that he didn't play for and stuff like that but they're <laughs> the very few and far between them. I mean, he's a very likeable character but yeah. I think um, you'll be doing well to get a word done with those two to be fair
1: well I, uh, that's what my, my, my tone is just going to be a, as a name caller isn't it really because I, I won't be able to say anything else not with those two
0: yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, in terms of that England, uh, England Scotland game, I mean, you obviously um, will remember, um, you know, the games at United Six, um, you know, the Gascoigne goal, which I don't like talking about. Um, just what is it going to be for you, um, being able to co- call that kind of game?
1: It's massive. It's the biggest game of the tournament. There's two good. There's going to be three big games, isn't there, at this mm-hmm. tournament? There's going to be the uh, the England Scotland game there's going to be the England-Czech Republic game, because that's going to be the first one with a huge number of fans in it. Yeah. And it, there's going to be um, whatever is the the game where England go out or win the tournament. So, I mean, it's the next one, isn't it? So There's the England-Scotland, there's the Czech Republic game, and then there's the pivotal game, which is either the one they go out in or the one that they or the final. It's it's one of the two. So, so, so you call those games It is a very special moment and to be a part of it is a special moment. You know, I've been really lucky. I've been to every European championship for the last 10 years. I've worked on every European championship or World Cup since 2006. Um, I've been to some wonderful places and seen some brilliant games. But to call an England versus Scotland game at Wembley in front of the entire nation, that's that's a special moment. That's a, that's a great thing to be a part of. To be at the game is a special thing, you know. And I remember where I was in Euro 96. I was in the middle of an airfield in Biggin Hill covering a, uh, uh, commentating on, on aeroplanes. So um, it's slightly different this time. Uh, that was 25 years ago. It will be 25 years. 25 years ago? Yeah, 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it's going to be absolutely superb it's going to be emotional it's going to be loud there's going to be i mean i don't know how many fans will be in for that one but i imagine there'll be some i just think it's going to be a brilliant match and also you know if we're completely honest about it england will be expected to win against scotland big not because we're english and we think they should beat scotland but because england have got players that pretty much at the moment we're seeing them competitive against anybody in the world so And Scotland only just about qualified, although they have got a very good manager, I think, in Steve Clark, who I've I've known and obviously spent time with over the course of his career, not only here in England, but when he was at Chelsea previously.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say England will be favourites of the game. You're expected to win the group. You're expected to go far in the competition, especially with the fact that if you win the group, most of your games will still be at Wembley. So I think most of us um, are accepting of that because at the end of the day, England did reach the last uh, World Cup semi-finals too. Yeah, but so I think, the key, the, thing, I think the key
1: thing I think the key thing. is to point out is that, and I, and that's why, sorry, I should have finished off that sentence by saying, is that despite all of those things, it's England-Scotland. That makes a difference. It makes a massive, massive difference. It's, it's England-Scotland, not in a friendly, but in a competitive game. And I think you'll remember this from recent matches or we, we played each other in qualification for the world cup, world cup in 2018 18 eight, 18, yeah. 18 was it 18 yeah uh, i uh, yeah i mean that's when i was doing scotland so um i stepped out of those games cuz clive did both those matches um but, but basically it changes it changes the the dynamic changes it's it's a lot more intense it's a lot more england do have a bit of a sort of not complex, but they do have a little bit of a, a concern because, you know, Scotland give it even more of a go and you've got some good players in that team. I mean, Andrew Robertson's one of the best fullbacks in in Europe. He, he's absolutely sensational. Kieran Tierney, let's hope he's fit for the European Championships. I mean, you, you, I mean you've got the two probably the two best left-backs in the entire tournament, <laughs> <laughs> sadly. Uh, but Tierney can play in different positions and he could, he's also just a, a great character to have around. Um, I don't think anybody's ever going to forget David Marshall making that save in the penalty shootout and waiting desperately for someone to tell him that it was okay for him to celebrate. You know, Dykes are scoring goals in the championship. You've got players who, who can cause England damage. There's no doubt about that. Shay Adams, I spoke to him two nights ago. Um, he has had a, an up and down season, but... I, he's the kind of character that turns up in big games and scores big goals. You know, yeah. his first ever Premier League goal was an absolute worldie against Manchester City. So, there's absolutely no doubt that Scotland-England is going to be a competitive game. You know, there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, it's, it, should, it should be a, um, a good game. I mean, from our point of view, um, that game will probably take care of itself. It's the the two games that we've got at Hamden that we're probably focused on the most because, they will probably make the difference in terms of qualifying if we're lucky to break that duck. Um, from an England point of view, um, is it fair to say that the expectation is um, to be at very worst semi-final again?
1: Well, it doesn't matter what the expectation is because the key game for England will be either in the last sixteen or in the quarterfinals. I mean, you know, that, I mean that's not no disrespect to the the, the, the other teams in the group, but you would expect England with their. The way they are at the moment, they should be beat, they should be getting out of the group. So mm-hmm. whether that's finishing second, third, or first, you know they shouldn't be the fourth worst team in that group. They they should get through. Um, I'd expect Scotland to get through that group as well. If I'm completely honest, um, the Czech Republic are tougher than 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 I think we would expect. I, I I'm not sure about Croatia. I haven't seen much of them recently, but I don't think they're as good as they were. So, but at it's, it's going to be a tight. It's going to be tight. I think England should go through. If they do, the last 16 game, if they've won the group, will be against Germany, Portugal or France. If they finish second in the group, they'll go to Copenhagen, I think. And then their quarterfinal is against France, Germany or Portugal. So those that's the game. They're the games right there that, that, that matter. And they've got to make sure they negotiate. They've got to get over not getting past the last 16, not getting to a quarterfinal, not getting to a final final. It's dealing with a big team. That's what they've got to do. They've got to beat big teams. If you want to win tournaments, you have to beat the best. And they, they, don't, they haven't done that enough. I mean, they, they beat Belgium on their own. They beat Belgium at Wembley earlier in the season. Um, you know, but th- those performances have been few and far between. I, I think you're starting to see a little bit more tactical now about England and a little bit more intelligence in those big games. But you know, they've got to keep doing that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, in terms of some of the, um, the the danger men that are coming through, I mean, they're talking about the, who, who's going to be the one behind um, Harry Kane. You know, Sterling's obviously nailed into to play. But then you've got the competition between Jack Grealish, uh, James Madison, who we know up here from his short time at Aberdeen. Mason Mount in midfield, I think, is an absolutely tremendous player. Very underrated players, really. Um, I think he's probably one of Chelsea's best players just now. I mean, you've got some wonderful competition there, and I think that can only be good for England.
1: I think that um, you will see I, – I can't tell you who I think – no one knows, can't read his mind, but I'm guessing that you will have four or five players who are nailed on starters if they're fit. John Stones will play if he's fit. Uh, Mason Mount will play if he's fit. Phil Foden will play if he's fit. Harry Kane will play if he's fit. I think that's probably about it. Declan Rice if he's but fit will play. Yeah. I'm not sure, yeah I think his form has been poor recently He's hardly played for Manchester City Pep stopped trusting him in big games yeah. Maybe it'll be different for England But at the moment he's the one who's out of form in that front line You mentioned Grudish He's been injured for a long time um, it, uh, it, You mentioned who else did you mention James Madison, I don't think he'll be in the squad I think he's, he's uh, unfortunately yeah. good yeah. I nearly got got forgot about
0: Foden. But. to be fair and He's probably one of the players of the year yeah. He's definitely a young player of the year anyway
1: He's absolutely terrific. He's the best player in the league, for me. He's absolutely—I mean, the best English player in the league by a mile. You know, Mason Mount's done a very, very good, good job, and he's—he's he's, he's up there alongside him. Those two are head and shoulders above the rest. Those two will be in the team. You know, the team will revolve around those two. I think over the next few years, they will be the heartbeat of it. Mm-hmm. And they can play together because they can play in so many different positions. I mean, Mason can play five or six different positions. Foden, Pep said it the other day, can play five different positions.
0: What about the goalkeeper situation? Because um, it was Pickford for a while and then he was injured for the last game. Nick Pope came in, got a couple of clean sheets, fair enough. But um, do you think it's one of those two? Or do you think someone else will um, step forward and say they're my gloves? Because that's maybe the one area of um, concern for England, I think. Look, I'd from be surprised the if it London.
1: wasn't Jordan. I think it'll be Jordan. Um, because if he's fit, I mean, that's the other thing. If, you know, as long as he's fit, then he will, he'll be the first choice. Because he's so good with his feet and England play in a certain way, I think you saw in those three internationals over the March period, the World Cup qualifiers, that, that Pope isn't as effective as Pickford with his feet. And, you know, that is a, that is a worry because, I mean, the Stones goal that came against Poland was John, John Stones' fault. It was completely down to him. But I think it would have been different. Maybe it had been different if Pickford was in goal because he would have got a better pass and then he would have had the confidence to play it back to him. And he didn't have that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be Pickford. But, the, all the goalkeepers are are okay, aren't they? I mean, there there isn't a standout goalkeeper who you sit there and go, oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And, you know, you look around at some of the others that are contenders, Aaron Ramsdale, Carl Darlow. You know, they're all names, really, of goalkeepers that you're not you're not bending over backwards to try and sign for Liverpool or Chelsea or Man United, are you? So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens to Dean Henderson, how he progresses over the course of the next few years because he's obviously a confident character. He's the kind of guy who... um who who knows his own mind. He's, he makes great saves. He's had a couple of wobbles recently, but he's going to be playing big matches. And if you're playing big matches, that holds you in good stead going forward.
0: Yeah, I think if he's still playing for Man United between now and the end of the season, um, I think he'll um, likely um, be in the squad. So um, yeah, <clears throat> definitely some competition there, whether they're top draw, that's um, a matter of opinion. I mean, let's say, they don't play apart from Henderson, none of them play for the top six sides. Um but then, that not all the top six sides are doing well in England. So, um, <laughs> depends what you mean by top six. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was doing. Because Leicester are top six this season. Well, um, Leicester are a great
1: team. Mm-hmm, Leicester yeah. are a fantastic team. And and do you know what? If if Justin uh, had been uh, fit, I think he would have been a contender as well for this squad because he can play on both sides. And he's you know he's 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 a very versatile character. I'm really sad to see that he picked up a big injury. Um, they've bought through some great players. Look at Ben Chilwell now at Chelsea, playing well and and a, a, with a chance to be the England left back in the in the tournament. Him and Luke Shaw going toe to toe. There was a stage when I thought maybe Shaw and Chilwell wouldn't go. I don't know now. I think Gareth changes his mind quite a lot during the course of uh, the uh, the end of the season as well. I mean, I mean, I think it all depends on whether or not they're going to play a four or a five. And that depends on whether John Stones is fit. If John Stones is fit, they play a four. If if he's not, it's a five.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, though. I mean, in the World Cup, you went with the 3-5-2 the or whatever um, interpretation you make of that formation, which Scotland are also doing now. But then he changed to four um, in the Nations League last year in qualifying. So, I mean, he's not afraid to make these changes and he's also not afraid to make big decisions. You know, like Joe Hart, for example, he played in that 2-2 um, England-Scotland game. Um, and then a year later, he's not even in the plane for the World Cup. So he knows when to make a big decision. Um, and he's someone that I think is suited to international management. Um, and he's he's doing really well.
1: Yeah, I, he's, he's a brilliant communicator. He's a really good communicator. And he has had to, um, obviously, pick up things as he's gone along, as we all do. You mentioned it to me earlier on, you know, when you stop learning, you stop doing the job that you're doing, don't you, you know? You're not, you've got to be progressing and moving forward. And he's tried to do that. He's spent a lot of time with Steve Holland. He spent a lot of time uh, recruiting coaches that can improve the England style and can improve the tactical intelligence of the team. He goes out and watches a hell of a lot of games. He's been quite innovative in the way that they deal with certain types of training and periodization. He's also been quite uh, open with the media and with the public and allowed the players to be so as well. You know, I mentioned to you that I, I've I've spoken to him on, on a regular basis and he's, he's really good at being candid, but he's also really good at just engaging with people. And I think if you're an international manager, you're the best group of players in the country. You, there's not much you can teach them in terms of coaching in three days before a game. I mean, you've only got a couple of training sessions. The, most of your job is about managing the the expectations of those people and trying to shape them into a team and get, give them a sense of team spirit. I think that's different at a tournament and there will be a little bit more focus on that coaching ability and the tactical decisions but, you know, I think a lot of it is to do with making sure everybody's mind's right and he's very good at doing that as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, man management and communication is obviously um, key um, and probably more so now in, in these teams because, I mean, I don't know if you've made the decision as to whether or not there's going to be a bigger squad but, um as well because of the um, pandemic and stuff because we've had five subs etc coming on in games so you'll have a lot more to do and uh, you know the way times where, uh, imagine imagining international management because I hear um, stories about others that it's it's not even the training ground it's what they do between training and games you knowing yeah. in hotel in, in hotel rooms that's obviously going to be key. and he's been part of it obviously you're in 86 and stuff as well
1: Yeah, I think if you've got a closed bubble, I think it's a lot easier to do some of the things that you would do anyway. You know, the quizzes. That would on
0: doing at the World Cup as well, I think.
1: Yeah, obviously because of COVID though, they're all going to be locked up together for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think they're going to go to Middlesbrough and stay there for a little while and try and have a bit of time. But whether or not they can send them home in between Middlesbrough and the first game of the Euro is going to be very difficult because if they've got to be in a bubble five days before, but they've got the games... It means that he needs to be in a bubble earlier than that. So, look, it's really, it's a difficult time to sort of be an international manager, I think. I remember speaking to Stephen Kenny back in um, September and, or October, and he was sort of discussing how, you know, he wanted to do all these really innovative things and get loads of sort of people involved in trying to raise the, the sort of morale level of the groups in between matches and in between training sessions. But he had not been able to do it because there hasn't been the opportunity to do so because of the restrictions that have been put in place. So it's not easy. It's not easy. And I imagine that this tournament is not going to be perfect. But hopefully by the time we get there, there'll be some sense of normality. I think if they're in a closed bubble, as I was saying, they they can sort of interact a little bit better with one another than they have been at the moment. I mean, you, we all know what happened in Iceland. But one of the big issues in Iceland was, is that, they couldn't all have breakfast together or they couldn't uh, go and sort of go into each other's room. So no one would, could find out what was going on because they, they, they weren't sort of almost self-policing because they couldn't get, you know, they, they were not allowed to cross-pollinate. Once you're in your room and you're in your group, your dinner group or your breakfast group, that was it. So, you know, it had its pitfalls as well, didn't it? But um, what about Scotland? Come on, tell me how they're going to play. Well, what's, see, the, this what's your think, dream lineup? If, you, if you're starting tomorrow, what's the starting 11? Well, I, th- I think the. Well, see,
0: this is a problem because now Ryan Jack's out injured and I think he's got a big um, role in the central midfield. So um, I think that's a ball. So I think McTominay will move into midfield now. So if you were asking me <laughs> what the lineup will likely be, I think it'll be Marshall and Goal, it'll be Tierney, um, Hanley, and who the right centre back. That's where I'm going to have to come back to is who's going to be right centre back. Um, I think it will still be Stephen O'Donnell and Robertson's your wing backs. I think it'll be McTominay, uh, McGregor and uh, McGinn in midfield, and I think Shea Adams will start. And it will either be Ryan Christie or Ryan Fraser that starts alongside him. And probably on the form right now, in the way he played in the last couple of internationals, I think Fraser's got that that spot. But I don't know who's going to be right centre back because Jack Hendry for me didn't do enough in the two games. Um so I honestly don't know. <laughs> What's Go your England you line up can... then,
1: Sam? England lineup probably going to be Pickford in goal, right back, Walker, Stones, Maguire, Chilwell, Rice and Mount. And then Foden. Sterling, Kane, and who am I going to play number 10? Uh, Maybe I'll put Henderson in and move Mount further forward. Mm. Depending on Henderson, because Henderson might not be fit. That's the problem yeah he's a long-term injury and Grealish is the other one that's a long-term injury and we don't know whether or not he's going to be fit enough for the tournament because they keep saying Aston Villa have been saying you know by the time this goes out of course we'll have a better idea but um Grealish has sort of been struggling with injury for quite a while hasn't he and it took him a little bit of time to get back and it's a loading injury as well so you don't want to put him through too much prior to it too much too quickly because that would just be an issue for him so I'm not sure that he'll make it to be honest with you no that
0: would be a shame from obviously um from you guys are you sound really disappointed
1: then? about that by the way
0: <laughs> listen look at the talent that you've just rhymed off I think that's going to cause us a lot of trouble but then Scotland I don't think will be scared um, we'll respect how good the opposition are but we're not no, scared nor should that, um,
1: they be you know, they're there on merit You know, why not have a go it'd be great and also they know what England are like England always make a mistake in the group stages at some point so why not take advantage of it go for it good luck to you we'll speak afterwards uh, yeah. the, the, one thing I will say is this: you know, if you, if we, have, we will all be really passionate about the fact that we want our teams to win and whatever. But this tournament is much the better because Scotland are in it. I was, I was watching the penalty shootout out with Ali McCoist, right? And I, I was watching with Ali McCoist, Roy Keane, Ian Wright, the whole of the ITV team, Ashley Cole, the whole lot. We're all sitting there watching it together. In on socially distant seats in the back of Wembley Stadium. Yeah, I remember um, Chris's video. Cheered like crazy when the goal, when when, when Marshall makes the save. We're all absolutely delighted, and I and I hope that everybody gets that sense. You know, that it's a celebration of football. Yeah. Everybody's got their own interests and they want their team to win, but. We want everybody to have a great time. And we want everybody who's, who's part of the... the you know, everyone who watches our coverage, we want them to enjoy the flavour of the tournament. You know, the top level football that we're going to try and show over the course of the, the five weeks. It's a festival of football. It's a jamboree of action. And I hope that, I hope that everybody has a great, a great experience.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. You know, um, especially after what's been going on over the last year. Um exactly. We'd love nothing more exactly. and the fact that fans are getting back in the grounds. I think it's 22,000 at Wembley, 12 and a half at, um, at Hamden. Um, I think other nations are doing like 25% at the moment. Hopefully that increases as the tournament goes on. So I think it's great. Just when you mention that point that you're all cheering when uh, David Marshall makes that save in Serbia. Now, as you know, that feeling's not really reciprocated up this, the, um, these neck of the woods. How does that make you feel, knowing that you want Scotland to do well, but the Scots don't really have the same feeling the other
1: way? Uh, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. we, look, we I think a lot of us, me included, uh, have all, probably I can imagine it's the same for you, uh, we've all got people or... We're we're either related, or we've got people who are related to uh, people who've lived, worked, spent time in, or were born in Scotland. I mean, yeah. my land Scottish, so uh, they're, they're, that that's been an influence in my family. I would never be in a situation where I didn't want Scotland to win something unless they were playing England. That's just that that's always been our default position because of the family history. So I'm sure that's that's replicated by a lot of people. There's some people I'm sure that don't feel like that. But I just hope that this time, especially this time, we're at a tournament where we're all allowed to enjoy it for the first... We're all allowed to enjoy, enjoy something for the first time in such a long time that we just have friendly banter. Really get, you know, we give each other a little bit of stick here and there. We all have a bit of a laugh and a joke. We don't oh, We don't take it over seriously because we know what's happened over the last year. We take it seriously enough. You know, sport isn't serious until it's serious. But... When it's serious, it's, it's pretty damn important. But at the same time, let's just be a little bit measured and, and, you know, have fun. Put a smile on your face. Try and enjoy it. And if you take a little bit of pleasure from England losing, then you, you enjoy it. And I'm sure that there'll be England fans that take a little bit of pleasure if Scotland do too. I'm sure that, that happens. I must admit, I'd like them both to qualify and go on and have a good tournament.
0: Yeah, I could just imagine England Scotland final now, but um, I don't think that'll happen. Um, in terms of that, if that if that,
1: ha- if that happens, that'd be amazing. Then I I definitely won't get a word in edgewise.
0: <laughs> if that happens, um, I think I'll be um, taking loans out to make sure I get down to Wembley for the final. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, if England aren't going to win it, um, who do you think will?
1: Anyone can win it. It's one of the most open tournaments um, in many a year. And I don't think England are favourites. I know the bookmakers do. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think Belgium are a brilliant team. I think France is a fantastic team. Um, Germany, maybe not so much as they were, but they always turn up at tournaments. I know that's a cliche, but that happens. I actually sort of fancy, um, fancy an outsider because I think that because of the situation that we've had this time in the build-up to the tournament, things have changed slightly. People have played a lot. A lot of the big players will have been exhausted by the time we get to June. I don't know whether or not that means that you might get the opportunity for someone like a Turkey to, to cause a bit of a stir. But I, I actually have... Um, I've, I've tipped Italy. Tipped Italy as, as an outsider. I mean, look, they're not one of the favourites, but they're, they're a, they're, if England, Belgium, France don't win it, I wouldn't be surprised if Italy do.
0: Italy are showing um, signs of making a comeback after we're uh, missing out in 2018. I think Roberto Mancini is a vastly underrated manager. Um, I think he's um, getting Italy back on the
1: right track, without a doubt. Um, it's interesting he's an he mentioned- experienced manager in the, in, in the tournament, isn't he, really? I mean, he's the only yeah. one, I think, I mean, I'll be, I'll be corrected on this, but he's the only one who's won a Premier League, I think. I think he took Manchester City to their first-ever Premier League title. That, that, yeah. that takes some doing so um, yeah I mean it's pretty impressive I mean he's a uh, he's a proper manager yeah title
0: winner in Italy obviously with Inter as well so he's um, he's got pedigree Um so, you know it'd be funny if there wasn't because the European Championships does have a history of um, surprise teams win it look at Denmark in 92 yeah. look at Greece in 2004 maybe it is right for Scotland in 2021 but I don't um, um, but you, you what are your
1: odds you know what are your odds what are your odds
0: I'll have a five on it Probably about um hundred and fifty to win, <laughs> or what were they? Let's Leicester won in the Premier League five grand. 5, it's 000. probably that for us as well. For um, <laughs> um, no, nah, I don't see it being Scotland. That my personal um think uh, prediction is Belgium. I think Belgium were the best team in the twenty eighteen World Cup, although they didn't win it. It was just a France side with a bit more know how done them in the day. But I think
1: no, they should have I, won that far, that semi final. Was there in St yeah. Petersburg for that semi final? They should have won that. That was yeah. that was that was a shame on their part.
0: Yeah, I think they've got the strongest squads, and they've got some. They've got so much experience. You know, they're all most of the players are on like hundred odd caps. And, and um, I just think they're clicking. And I, th- I personally can't see past them. But it wouldn't be surprise me if you can't rule out France, who are world champions at the end of the day. I'm not There's ruling out there. yourselves either, you know, because. Um, you know, in home soil as well.
1: But I think um, England are over priced, aren't they? I mean, they're, 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 the odds are too skinny for England. You wouldn't back them at nine to two or five to one when you've got France in there at a similar sort of price and Belgium in there at a similar price. I think they're they're priced about right. England are probably priced up because the English bookmakers are pricing them up that way. You know, Netherlands and Italy are a little bit further out, aren't they?
0: Yeah, thanks. So, apart from obviously the England games, what other games are you? Um, would you are you looking out for? Because um, obviously there's a great group. You mentioned um, Group F, I think it is, the one with uh, France, Germany and Portugal, the current European champions in it. You know, there must be a few tasty games that you're looking forward to in the group stages. Not that you'll get to get to o- watch all of them, but you'll get to watch them at least.
1: Well, well watch um, them as this a... is what we're still discussing at the moment about what games we're going to and what games we can't get to because of the, the COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. I'm due to start my journey in St. Petersburg um at this moment in time i'm due to then fly to dublin then i think i have to go to rome then i come to wembley then i go back to rome again um and then i've completely lost about where i'm going next but um yeah there are some fascinating games there's some brilliant matches aren't there um obviously once things change i was actually supposed to do a lot of those group of death games in uh, between Portugal and Germany and France and Germany and stuff like that. I, I don't think I'm gonna to get to do that now sadly because of the way things have changed with England and, and travel and stuff like that. So I, it, yeah, I mean Will there be some, some studio commentary? To watch. Will you be doing some
0: commentary I don't know. from the studio? I, I, I don't years?
1: know. I honestly don't know and I tell you this, this is the this is the first time this has ever happened. Usually I would know what days I'm flying where I'm going to be at a major championships by the end of January. Wow. I am not at all sure whether we will be doing some studio. I'm sure there will be some studio commentary because I think this has to be, um, because I don't think the travel is going to be as, I don't think it's wise to do as much travel, but that's just my point of personal point of view. No, I agree with you. Um, I think there'll be a bit of that. I think there'll be a bit of, obviously I'll be at Wembley. So that's Mm. slightly different as well. Um, Hamden, possibly. I, I honestly don't know what the situation's going to be. I can't tell you. What the, I'm, I'm, all I know is I'm supposed to be in St. Petersburg at the start. I might not be.
0: Okay, well, let's, well whatever games you do end up at, um, I hope you um, enjoy the tournament. Apart from, obviously, your hope that England win it, um, what are you looking forward to most about the, the tournament?
1: The first goal where I can hear fans properly yeah. drown me out. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's, that what I'm, that's what I want that's what we're looking forward to the most that sound that authentic mm-hmm. that that wonderful sound of people that swarms over you when a goal goes in that joy and I really hope that when it happens we don't get very excited and then the VAR comes on
0: <laughs> yeah I, well I've got my views on what they can do with our, um, to be perfect on this it'll um, be
1: better at the Euros than it yes. has been in the Premier League there you go there's my prediction
0: yeah, definitely. I would think so, because it worked well in the World Cup, to be fair. Um, if that could just be implementing these years, then hopefully it'll be good. So, but listen, Sam, thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rest of your tournament Um, and, and enjoy your commentary with uh, Lee and Ali um, on the 18th of June as well.
1: Thank you very much. Enjoy the tournament. Good luck to you. I hope I hope that we meet in the final. <laughs>
0: that would be amazing. I'll, I'll see you in London, if that's the case.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep in touch, John.
0: But I'll give you one more chance I can boogie But I need a certain song I can boogie